This morning we want to start a new series of messages. Uh, the title of this series is Relationships Matter. And uh, we want to look at a number of the key concepts that the scripture speaks about in terms of building meaningful relationships with each other. And today we want to look at the foundation for all relationships, uh, which is our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. So I invite you to take your Bibles, please. Turn with me to 1 John, 1 John chapter 1, and uh, we're going to read uh, verses 1 through about verse uh, 7. So will you please stand in honor of the Word of God, and you follow along as I read. <coughs> Words will be up on the screen as well. Uh, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared and we have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. And we proclaim to you that we have seen what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. Whenever you see that word fellowship in this passage, uh, a better translation would be relationship. We have a relationship uh, with us. He's talking about the relationship that we have with the Son and the Father. And our fellowship, notice, our relationship with the Father and uh, is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we've heard from Him and declare to you God is light and there is no darkness in Him at all. If we claim to have fellowship with relationship with Him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have, there's that word again, fellowship, relationship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, purifies us from all sin. This wonderful relationship that we have because the father sent his son into the world to be that living sacrifice for us. He gave his life to give life to us so we could be life-giving people to others. And that's why relationships are so important. God wants us always to give life to each other. And we have that capacity because we have received new life from him. So let's ask the Holy Spirit to open our minds and our hearts to the truth God wants us to grasp today. Father, we love you. What a joy it is to see these young people continue to hide your word in their hearts, to grow in your grace, to take that next step of faith, whether it's into the business world or to continue their education in college. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for each one of our graduates and our Timothy Award winners, and uh, we are so thankful for the body of Christ. So good to be together. So good to be able to praise you and to lift high the name of Jesus. And I pray that as we begin this study on relationships that you would help us to understand how significant it is that we walk in the light of your word. And we're not only growing 
closer to you in a vertical relationship, but horizontally we're growing in our relationships with each other. Lord, fill us with the knowledge of your will today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The word I believe that best describes fellowship, when we talk about fellowship, I believe is the word relationship. Now, in today's post-Christian world, in a pluralistic society, uh, words need to be defined. Uh, We live in a world where words are constantly changing, and we are attaching new nuances to words. You know, I can remember the day when when weed meant dandelion and when uh, a coke meant pop and when gay meant happy and there were two genders there was what male and yes but now we have new terminology you know we talk about being binary or non-binary and and we have all these different words everything is being redefined you know uh, a pregnant individual is now called a birthing person. It's, 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 it, it blows my mind how words are constantly being changed and redefined today. And so words don't really mean anything until we actually define what they are. And it's like what uh, Humpty Dumpty said to Alice uh, on her way to, to, uh, uh, to Wonderland. He said... When I speak a word, it means whatever I choose it to mean. And we live in a culture today where words that we use many times have taken on different meanings and we misunderstand one another. And so one of the words that I think gets abused in Christian circles is the word fellowship. Because oftentimes we think of fellowship as an event. Or we think of fellowship as a room. Uh, We name places where we eat fellowship halls. Okay. We want to have fellowship. We always have to have coffee. Or we have to have some kind of a meal. Or fellowship is, you know, going out and jogging with a friend. Or or, uh, uh, taking someone out for brunch. That's, That's fellowship. It's... We, we have the idea that fellowship is something that we do when in reality, fellowship is much more than what we do. Fellowship is who we are in Jesus. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son. And this relationship that the Father has with the Son is to be expressed in our relationships with one another as members of the body of Christ. It's very interesting that the Christian researcher, George Barna, observes that 15% of regular church attenders say they have no close friends at church. In fact, there are many of us who are in Christian circles and we see each other on a Sunday morning, but we have no relationship. In fact, if you're not involved with someone else in some kind of a deepening, growing relationship, researchers say that people who isolate themselves from others 
die much younger than people who have relationships with each other. In fact, 90% of the people who fail in their business do not fail because they don't have skill, they don't have abilities to dream and think and project. They fail because of relationships. And the same thing is true many times in the body of Christ. We can cram our minds so full of truth, and yet if we're not growing horizontally as well as growing vertically, our lives become out of balance. And true biblical fellowship is not a place or an event. It is a lifestyle that God calls us to live as transformed men and women. A brief survey of the Old Testament words for fellowship reveal that fellowship refers essentially in the Old Testament to joint participation or partnership between two or more individuals. And when you get to the New Testament concept of fellowship, you've heard the word koinonia. It simply denotes a much deeper sense of relation. It refers to a kinship, to a camaraderie, to a sense of belonging where we are investing in others and we are allowing others to invest their lives in us. And thus, to summarize, fellowship is this this wonderful partnership, it is a spiritual component of our lives. I, I don't know about you, but I can hardly wait for a Sunday morning. I can hardly wait for a, a life group meeting where we can be together. Don't you like to celebrate life together? There's something about being together and fellowship and, and nurturing this camaraderie because the ground is level at the foot of the cross and we've all been brought into the family of God because of what he has done for us in sending Jesus to be our Savior, our Lord, and our Master. And so over these next few weeks, we want to talk about relationships and how we can build stronger relationships as members of God's forever family. Now, you may ask, why are relationships so important to the body of Christ? Or why are relationships with one another in the body just as important as our individual relationship with God? Well, let me give you some, some reasons for this. First of all, we live in a depersonalized world. Today, we have lost the significance of the individual. Social security numbers have taken the place of people's names. Schools design all these elaborate educational programs for the masses, but in the process they overlook the individual skills and giftedness of our young men and women. Artificial intelligence is starting to take over the workplace replacing people and sparkling personalities in the, in the job market. And the natural consequence is that people are in hiding today. Uh, some are hiding behind the mask of anonymity. Uh, they become lost in a crowd. They, no one knows them or seemingly cares who they are. In some cases, people don't even know themselves. Others have become so locked into the virtual world of MySpace and Facebook and Google and Twitter, they think they're having relationships vertically over the internet with total strangers they've never met before, but they think they're in a relationship, though they have no personal connection with them. Uh, 
They can carry on conversations with total strangers and think, oh my, this is, this is great, this is wonderful. But on the inside, there's a sense of isolation and aloneness. Others are hiding behind the mask of self-sufficiency. It appears from the outside that they have it all together. They have no problems. They're enjoying unprecedented success. But internally and emotionally, their lives are in a state of upheaval and chaos. A number of years ago, there was an author by the name of Keith Miller, and he wrote a book entitled The Taste of New Wine. And this is what he said a number of years ago. He said, quote, Our churches are filled with people who outwardly look contented and at peace, but inwardly are crying out for someone to love them, just as they are, confused, frustrated, sometimes frightened and guilty, and often unable to communicate even with their own families. This depersonalized world we are in desperate need, especially in the body of Christ, of building strong interpersonal relationships with each other. Number two, authentic relationships are the bond that binds God's people together. George Gallup recently reported a survey from a number of large Protestant denominations, and he said that 52% of the members said that their faith was supported and encouraged by being involved in some kind of a small group. We call them life groups here at East Bay. Most important things that we can do is to be in community with others in the body of Christ. We desperately need each other. That's how we learn and grow. We can ask questions. We can do things together. We can celebrate. We can serve together. We can reach out together. There's something about being involved with a, a small number of people that we feel drawn to, and yet we're always seeking to reach out to invite others to become part so the group doesn't become ingrown and it doesn't become uh, something that is not meaningful. We all need relationships. We need each other. I'm convinced that life groups are the engine that drives the church. And we need to develop many more life groups here at East Bay Fellowship, East Bay Calvary, because we need each other. And with all the people that I have talked to over the last number of weeks and months, one of the things I sense from almost every single one of them is that the need for community, the need to have others around them that can invest in their lives and they are willing for others to become invested in their lives. Number three, authentic relationships are a positive preventative to the vulnerability of the human spirit. Whether or not we want to recognize this or not, all of us are vulnerable. We all have weaknesses. We all have blind spots. And one of the reasons is that today there is an attraction to new age thinking and cultic activity is that people desperately are looking for a place to belong. They need some type of group identity. And they're willing to take incredible risks to find something that has meaning to them. 
And unfortunately, people have not always found that in evangelical churches. And to our shame, they have found it in false religious systems, which initially promised people everything, but then seek to control their lives in a way that completely destroys them as individuals. Classic and tragic example of this is what happened with Jim Jones in the People's Temple. Many who died in Guyana came from fundamental evangelical Christian churches. They knew a lot of doctrine in their head. They had memorized all kinds of Bible scripture, but they had never discovered how to relate it to life. They had not learned how to build relationships and understand what community is all about. They're growing vertically to God, but horizontally everything else is out of whack. They didn't know how to live out this Christian life that they were learning about. Grace Stone, a member of the People's Temple, said of her evangelical church, quote, I went to church until I was 18. No one ever befriended me. And so when somebody from the People's Temple talked about the love and all the wonderful things that were happening at the People's Temple, she was drawn to that. Very interesting to me that Glenn Beck, talk show host, was drawn to Mormonism simply because people reached out to him and his family. That's why it's so important that this be an accepting place. That East Bay be a place where people can come as they are with all their habits and hang-ups and problems and issues and find a place where they can find hope in Jesus. We want to be a healing place. We want to be a place where people can come with all their baggage and lay it at the foot of the cross and experience brand new life in Jesus. Number four. Relationships provide the context for meaningful personal interaction. It's interesting that researchers have discovered that the most important factor in the prevention of job dissatisfaction or dropout is that the employees like to be around each other. They like each other. There's relationship. There's a sense of community. And people drop out from their jobs not because... Many times they don't like the job, they just don't like the people that they're working with. They haven't figured out how to build meaningful relationships. And then number five, real relationships demonstrate authentic Christianity to the world. David Watson in his book, Called and Committed, says this, quote, until the kingdom of God can be demonstrated in our relationships of love with one another, we will have nothing credible to say to an unbelieving and broken world. The need of the hour as we have entered the 21st century, a world in crisis and virtual reality is to build transparent, authentic, vitally relationships, not only with God, but with each other. Now, 
Before we can meaningfully relate to God and each other, we need to understand the foundation upon which we must build this kind of fellowship or relationship. And here's where we see it very clearly uh, declared to us by the Apostle John here in 1 John chapter 1. First of all, I want you to notice in this passage the provision for growing relationships. 1 John 1, beginning at verse 1, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, and we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. John is saying to these Christ followers that... <coughs> that Jesus Christ is real. <laughs> he's not some kind of a phantom. Uh, he's not some kind of a ghost. They have seen him. They have touched him. They have heard from him. And because they have been captivated by Jesus, they have something to declare. They are declaring that Jesus, notice, is the word of life. That is, Jesus is the source of life. He is the source of their power. He is life and he is light. And this takes us back to what John said in his gospel. If you turn over to John chapter 1, the gospel of John chapter 1, notice verses 1 to 4. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was what? Life, and that life was the light of men, and the light shines in darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Jesus is life and light. And John says to the people here, he says, because Jesus is light and life, this spiritual dimension, this reality is what motivates us to be life givers to each other. So that the life we have received from Christ flows out through us into the lives of others. You see this when you go back to 1 John chapter 1 and verse 3. Notice, he says, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. Notice, so that, there's the purpose, you may have fellowship, this relationship with us. And our fellowship, there it is, a relationship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. You see, everything rises and falls on our relationship to Christ. <clears throat> if we're not growing in our relationship to Christ, we're probably not growing in our relationship to each other. You can't be focused so on God and then ignore those around you that God has placed in your life. We all need each other. And the Bible is making it very clear here that this, this fellowship that we enjoy because Jesus has paid the penalty for our sins, he's washed us in his blood, he's created a, a new community of people that are equipped 
to begin relating to each other in the way the Father and Son relate to each other, in unity and in love and in a sense of camaraderie, where we look forward to being in relationships with each other. The Apostle affirms John's testimony in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 9. He says, God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So fellowship is, or relationship, is our calling. He wants us to be intentional in building and investing in others so that together all of us can grow and mature and become all that God desires us to be. Now, number two, what is the purpose of these growing relationships? You see it in verse 4 of 1 John. We write this to make, notice, our joy complete. God's purpose in calling us to himself and making a way for us to experience his presence and his power is so that our lives might be filled with joy, not just because of our relationship to him, but a joy that comes also as we invest in others. This is a joy that we can experience as we build relationships. Don't you like to be around people that are in love with Jesus? Don't you just love to be around people that are excited about their faith? I mean, they're, they're, they're not part of the carnal corral, always complaining and fussing, and, but they, they just, they, they have been captured by Jesus. And once you have been captured by Jesus, there is a joy, a joy in your heart. And it comes from within. It's not dependent on circumstances. It's not dependent on what happens on the outside. It all comes from this relationship that you have with Jesus. And it's very interesting, the tense of this particular verb I write this to make our joy complete. It's a perfect participle, may be completed or may be full. The effects which continue on. In other words, this is not momentary joy. This is not something that happens because everything's going our way. But it's a joy that continues to fill our hearts regardless of what the circumstances are. Do I understand this? You see, happiness depends on happenings. Joy depends on Jesus. And this joy is not something that we manufacture. It's something that the Holy Spirit births within us as we walk in obedience to the truth of God's Word. And then thirdly, I want you to note the problem that inhibits growing relationships. You see, the problem is identified in verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. <clears throat> After he talks to us about this marvelous provision, this foundation for growing relationships, and the joy that is the purpose and the result, the outcome of these wonderful relationships, he speaks now about the problem that inhibits 
growing relationships. And it's a simple problem called sin. Now, what is sin? What is walking in darkness? It's actually believing that we know better than God. The Bible says, to the person who knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. And when we're not obeying the word of God, and we're not walking in the light and life of Jesus, and we're not experiencing this growing sense of relationship and fellowship, oftentimes it's because of an attitude of indifference or arrogance against God. You see, you can't foster meaningful relationships if you're out of whack with God or if you're out of whack with your neighbor. No way to do this. Uh, you, you can attend all the Bible studies you want to, but if you have unresolved issues with other brothers and sisters, you're not going to look forward to being with them, are you? But when the deck is clear, and when there's not any kind of sin going on, you love to be around others of like precious faith, don't you? <laughs> Goodness sakes. Don't you? <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? The, the, the word of God is so simple. God wants us to experience joy. You know, there used to be a, an old-time song called Joy Unspeakable and Full of Glory. Remember that song? Some of you do, I'm sure. But what inhibits that joy is when we allow sin to creep into our lives. He talks about it here as walking in darkness instead of walking in the light. You see, to walk in the light is to conduct ourselves consistently with what we know is God's purpose for us. Notice verse 5. <clears throat> this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Why would we want to stray into darkness when we've experienced the life and light of Jesus. Why would we want to do anything that would keep us from experiencing this sense of his presence, his life, his light by just fudging a little bit? That's okay. It's okay to, to go down maybe a path that we know we shouldn't go down. And all it takes is just, just kind of a one step in the wrong direction. You see, the enemy will do everything he can to distract us from him who is life and light. But remember, greater is the one in you than what? Than he that is in the world. And so because God is total light, darkness cannot be tolerated. God's light exposes darkness. And any attempt to cover up on our part is impossible. If we claim to have things in common with God, and that's what we do when we are in fellowship with him, we have all things in common with him, 
common likes, dislikes, a common nature. We've been given a supernatural nature by God. And yet, we're in the habit of walking in darkness. John says, we're phony to the core. He says, the truth is not in us. It's not our talk. It's our walk. And what he's arguing for in this passage is he wants people to be actually authentic and real and to live out what they say they believe. All of us know we're to love God, right? We're to love one another. How do we flesh this out is the question, and that's the challenge. And so we must be very tuned in to the voice of God. If we're to experience a daily relationship, a fellowship with God and with one another, we need to get rid of anything in our lives that is out of sync with God's purpose for us. What does this mean practically? Well, we need, we need to get rid of anger. We need to get rid of worry and pride. We need to shed the, the cloak of criticism and the way we have a tendency to prejudge each other. We must stop writing people off. Do you realize every person matters? Every single person matters. And it's so easy to say, oh, it's okay, man, we'll let them go. No, no. We don't write people off. We reach out after them. We say no to self and selfish ambition. Do you know the thing that keeps us from having relationships, healthy relationships with each other? It's selfishness and when we're selfish we're only thinking about ourselves and we only do that which feeds our own ego and when we become ego driven what happens we are edging God out of our lives so we need to get rid of all those things we need to get upset with our 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 human shallowness and we must not allow busyness to usurp the throne of our lives we must have nothing to do with evil and lustful thoughts gossip must cease putting others down must become abhorrent to us and our thinking see all of these things that I'm describing are things that happen to us as Christ followers when we stray from the light and enter into the darkness. And Jesus is calling his church today to have nothing to do with darkness, but to be consumed with the life and light of Jesus. And when Jesus is center stage, when Jesus becomes our all and in all nothing else matters and we're growing vertically in our love for him we're falling more deeply in love with Jesus every day and we're falling more and more in love with the people of God all around us our neighbors and friends 
We have a concern for them. We don't talk about them. We don't sit in our holy huddles and put other people down. We reach out to them because we've been transformed people. That's what this book says. Powerful. Now, what's the pattern that enhances growing relationships? Well, you see it here very clearly. Verse 7, notice. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, there it is, we have fellowship, there it is, with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. You see, if we are walking in the light and there's nothing between us and God, and there's nothing between us and our fellow man, then we are free to build relationships and to invest in other people's lives. That's what God's calling the church to do today. He doesn't want us to live in isolation from one another. We need each other. I need you. <laughs> I don't want to live in isolation. You know, right now, my, my, my closest small group are the elders. I share everything with them. I talk to them. I wish you could have been at the retreat. Oops. Advance. Advance. This weekend. And we just shared. It was beautiful. Powerful. We need to do more of this with the leadership of the church. There's something about the body of Christ in relationship to each other where there's nothing between us and God and there's nothing between us and our fellow believer. It strengthens relationships. But you know what happens if that's not the case? When we get into these relationships, we talk about others. And we call it Bible study. Very interesting, is it not? We have prayer meetings and people share their hearts with us and then we talk about them. How sad. See, God has, wants us as his people to be so in love with Jesus that his life is flowing through us out to everyone we touch. And when that occurs, we're going to be looking for ways to make connections with others. We're not going to wait to be asked to join a life group. We're going to look for life groups to join. We're going to be excited about leading a life group. Very interesting. <clears throat> I've heard a lot of people here at East Bay say, well, you know, I used to do this. I used to do that. And my question has always been, what's happened? Why aren't you doing that right now? Do it right now. You know, if you're so in love with Jesus, and you claim to be, then let that love relationship ooze out to everyone that you touch. It will transform your life. And when we confess our sins, notice, 
He's faithful and just, verse 9, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But you see, if we rationalize our sin, if we make excuses for our sin, notice verses 8 and 9. He said, if we claim to be without sin, we're a little bit better than anyone else. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 10, if we claim to have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. And his word has no place in us. Friends, the most important thing we can do as Christ followers to nurture this kind of relationship with God and with one another is to keep our confessions up to date. If there's things that you need to clear with God, clear it with Him. If there are things that you need to clear with others, clear the deck. Don't demand things of others. Just say, I'm sorry. I could have done it a little bit differently. And you watch what God will do in transforming all of us. Because as our relationships grow larger, and broader our love for Jesus grows deeper and wider and vice versa when we're growing vertically as well as horizontally our life takes on what a whole new balance and that's what Jesus is after he wants us to live the Christian life how many of you believe that the Christian life is the best life to live okay and it happens by what Loving God and loving others. You see, we all need to build meaningful relationships. We need each other. I think of the little girl who awoke in tears several times during the night from a reoccurring nightmare. And her mother hurried to her side and tried to comfort her and reassure her and she would give her a Bible verse to think about and pray with her little child and yet this little child's fear persisted these nightmares persisted and finally in desperation the mother said how can I help you Jesus is with you sweetheart and the child answered with screams running down streams of tears running down her cheeks yes mama but someone sometime I need someone with skin on I need someone that can hold me tight and there are many many folks that are just waiting for someone to reach out and establish a relationship, a spiritual bond with them that will help them grow and develop and become more like Jesus. Three thoughts in closing. We all need to build meaningful relationships. We want East Bay to be a connecting place where people can grow close to God and close to one another. And we want East Bay to be a place
where we accept each other flaws and all because Jesus has accepted us aren't you glad he's accepted us and because he has accepted us we need to be accepting of each other